Hey everyone, it's Kim here, obviously. I wanted to just introduce this uh, conversation today because it's it's just so great. Um, I'm I'm thrilled thrilled to have um, Dr. DeForia Lane on the podcast today, and I just found out that she is making a trip out to Rochester in the new year, 2023. So for all of you who live in Rochester, live in or around Rochester, you are invited to the Nazareth College mini conference that's part of, um, or it's, it's run by the AMTAS NAS Club. So the American Music Therapy Association for Students, their club on campus is running this mini conference and DeForia is the keynote speaker. It's so cool. So um, yeah, so this is a little a little invitation for you to come to that if you want. And um, I have been told by the organizers that we can just sign up for we can sign up for the conference and just show up for the keynote presentation if um, we don't have the time or don't want to come to the other sessions. So that might be what I will be doing because the date of that conference is February 18th, um, 2023, and that's the day after my birthday. So I I have to decide if I want to, you know, be in a music therapy, continuing ed classes and conference all day, or if I want to celebrate my birthday. But I really, really, really want to meet um, DeForia in person, especially after this beautiful conversation we had. So um, yeah, that's all for now. Enjoy this conversation. What an honor it is to have Dr. DeForia Lane on the podcast today. Thank you so, so much for taking your time and talking with all of our listeners today. I know so many people are excited um, to hear from you and and hear your stories and your wisdom and all that you have to share today. So thank you so much. My pleasure. (laughs) Um, So I was talking with you before we pressed record about how I don't really enjoy doing long introductions. So I figured, you know, let's, let's start our introduction out with, with a question. Um, you have had um, this long and I would say beautiful career from my perspective. <laughs> and I would be so curious, what has been um, the highlight of your career? I'll be honest, I thought long and hard over that question because um, I cannot pinpoint a specific time or event or award or experience that lends itself to saying, that's the highlight. Mm. Um, I think what has captured me the most about music therapy in my life has been connecting with people, has been looking into the eyes of a colleague or a patient or a student or an intern and knowing that we're sharing something on um, that is very meaningful and purposeful, that that I hear you and you hear me, and it's happening simultaneously. There's mm. nothing like that. And, and not only are we hearing each other, but um, there's something deeper that's happening um, toward an end, toward a meaningful end. Um, I'm gonna stop you there on the recording and look at what what (laughs) I don't forget anything Um, I know we've got a nice list of questions (laughs) it's it's not a single event rather it's a deeply rewarding experience of connecting and making a difference in someone's life 
Hmm. I've learned that this can happen regardless of age, race, ability or disability, mental status, acute or chronic illness. I'm, I'm thoroughly motivated by the hard to reach. Uh, the people mm. who are withdrawn or cantankerous or nobody <laughs> understands me or, or the desperate or the actively dying or the down and out or um, severely mentally, physically, socially challenged. There's something in me that desires to reach them, to give them voice, to point them to hope. And, and that requires something different for each person. So there's no single formula that reaches them all. And I love finding, or at least searching for the way to do that. Mm. When it happens, it thrills my soul. So it, it makes me feel as though I have fulfilled my purpose, that that's what I was made to do. Um, so in short, the highlight of my career has been doing what I was called to do, having mm. the sense of fulfilling my purpose and being aware of what I was created to do, exercising it and being given the opportunity to do it. You just have a mic drop on that one. <laughs> The opportunity is something that I, I dare not leave out because you can yeah. have the desire, the passion, even some of the, of the training, but if no one opens the door, it's like being given wings and never allowed to fly. Mm. So because people have allowed me to fly, I long to give others that opportunity when I see that, that I have that um, capacity to, to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love how your answer to that question, it has so much to do with, with you, not just the profession of music therapy or the, this one specific event, but it has to do with your, your own soul, mm -hmm. um, what you've been given and like that opportunity that that you talked about i feel like that that opportunity i feel like it's hard to talk about because um i think if if we're not given the opportunity but we feel like we have that that purpose or those wings um we then try to do it ourselves like i'm just thinking simply if there's no job in your area and maybe you don't want to move for a job because your family is, is in this place, then maybe you have to make that opportunity for yourself. I agree. Um, sometimes the opportunity doesn't look like that's what it is. It, it, we're looking for something to come by sea and it comes by land. Um, mm. I, I equate that to, uh, I didn't want to get the dramatic or anything. But, um, oh, please get dramatic. <laughs> you know, when, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I thought that was going to lead to a decline in not only who I was and what I physically was, but that it was going to uh, pull me back from everything Thing that my future could hold. Uh, mm -hmm. It was an end. But what it was, was a means to the next step. Um, mm. It was only when I went to the hospital for treatment that I began to see the implications for music therapy in my, in my own life and, and how it could apply to so many others who were going through the same thing. So there's this sense of, it opened the door for me for a job that I could never have imagined. Hmm. And yet on first 
glance, it, this is not good at all. Uh, would I have changed the means? Probably. Would it have mm -hmm. meant the same? Would I have, have approached it in, in the same way from, from knowing, from walking a mile in the shoes of those I was going to serve later? Mm. It would probably have been a lot different. So, so my, my thoughts are sometimes we have to get out of our preconceived notions of what music therapy jobs look like mm. and we have to embrace okay well maybe it's more than that or maybe it's maybe i could do this maybe my skills in terms of documentation or working through uh, excel and learning some of you know word and all of those things if I had that opportunity over here, and that's all that I see available for me to work, maybe I give myself to that in such a way that who knows, who knows who I'll be sitting next to who might open a new way of thinking or a new door or um, how that skill might prepare me for music therapy job later or something else. It's um, life has so many turns and twists that look one way, but that open um, us to, to other ways uh, and preparing us accordingly. So mm -hmm. it, it's amazing how, how that can work. Oh, that's beautiful. That's such a good um, reminder, it, it, like a perspective shift. Mm -hmm. um, I know one of our one of our guests had been a music therapist and then um, took a turn just because of jobs and her family needs. And the big thing that she continued saying is nothing's wasted. No. None of this time is wasted. Even oh. if I haven't been doing music therapy for, you know, like for 10 years, I'm using all the things that I learned and gained to help my daughter grow up in these formative years so and that information could be more powerful and more useful to her daughter than if she had gotten the ideal music therapy position mm -hmm. and gone from there you know the, the, yeah. the act of being resilient of being creative within the context of what you can have in front of you those things that's life um and you're right, those things can be far, they can teach more in the life of her daughter um, than, than she'll ever know. That's mm. for sure. One, one thing occurs to me, my original degree, my bachelor's degree was in vocal performance and opera was my um, major uh, genre in, in which I studied. And when I, went to school to become a music therapist, my friends and colleagues in opera looked at me with, with disapproval. And they said, mm. Gloria, you have this voice, this talent, and you're going to, I, I worked at a developmental center first, and you're going to take it and shake maracas and hit on drums with kids who are retarded? I mean, that was the word then. Mm -hmm. What a waste. What a waste. And I remember thinking to myself, but but I'm not I'm not wasting it. These children and later these patients in a hospital have just as much right and desire and to to have good music too. Mm -hmm. um, and I simply have a different audience. My audience is children with developmental disabilities or with patients who have um, severe, acute, chronic illnesses day to day. Music can do as much for them as it can for the audiences or you know, Carnegie Hall or, or my singing with an orchestra. So um, it's all in perspective. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I feel like it, 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 um, like that just, just talks about humanity. It like levels the playing field. Like we, we are all the same, whether, you know, our abilities are, are what they are. And, um, my, my sister-in-law is an opera singer and I think about her career and of course she loves performing, um, for an audience and on a stage. But now she's leading groups into hospitals and into elder care facilities to do just that, sing for all those folks there. And so it's so interesting how things shift, you know, over time or with a different perspective. No work is better or higher than any other work. Yes, agreed, agreed. Um, well, we have quite a few more questions. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to jump down to one of our um, listener questions. <laughs> this one. Why are you so amazing? <laughs> that question is it. What? <laughs> oh. And what, what listeners can't see is that you were just shaking your head. <laughs> You know, I want to say, what you talking about, Willis? I mean, what? <laughs> um, you know, I, you, you phrased it, and then in the uh, second part of that, maybe yeah. it would be better phrased with how. Uh, <laughs> nope, that doesn't do nope. any, any better. <laughs> you know, here's here's what I put. I just had to write something down because I knew I wouldn't be able to <laughs> something to that. Each of us has been given a task or a purpose. And I stand amazed that I've been given the gift of music to share for the benefit of others. This is a privilege and I am compelled to explore it every day. And my focus on the what can I do, um, that's where I try to turn my head. Many things hit us from every direction. What is my response to be to that? Maybe it's to walk away. Maybe it's to uh, address it verbally. Maybe it's to simply pray about it. Maybe if it's to say, wait, not now. But the more my eyes I have, I've come to understand are off me, and on what I can do for others, the more wonder I experience. So, so it ain't me, y'all. Um, mm. God humbles me every day with seeing more of others and him. Once that hits, um, I have to respond. I have to, I, I just stand in awe um, of who he is and of how something like music can elevate, motivate, um, alleviate things like pain. Um, and I get to be a part of that. That's, I mean, who wouldn't want to, to respond to something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's, it's that wonder that you are experiencing that, that beautiful, um, deep meaning that other people see within you and why all these new music therapists, myself included, are like, Oh my goodness, DeForia Lane. <laughs> but you're just being, responsible to what you've been given and and that beauty of music that that you feel every day mm. Mm. and so thank you for that inspiring all of us i know one of um i think i had a couple people write into me because i i put up on instagram i was i was gonna chat with you for the podcast and does anyone have any questions and I had a couple people say, oh, DeForia Lane is why I got into music therapy or her book 
inspired me to get into music therapy. So yeah, I just, again, want to say thank you for, from myself and from all of the listeners that you've inspired. Um, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> My pleasure. Um, so, so we're talking about this wonder and this beautiful way of connecting with people, but I'm sure it's also been very, very challenging along the way. I know something that we talk about on this podcast is leaving the field of music therapy and kind of having that question in the back of your mind, what if I left, or is there something else for me? Um, or maybe I'm just so burnt out, I have to go. Have you ever felt like leaving the profession? No. <laughs> Not that I was looking, I was looking for my, my note. But yeah. the, the honest truth is, no. What mm. else would I do? Mm. I don't see me doing anything else. Um, because there's so many things I can do within the realm of music therapy. Mm -hmm. Let me read what I wrote. Otherwise, I'll digress. <laughs> no, I've never felt like leaving the profession, but I have felt the need to readjust how I live this profession outside in my life. Mm. I have not been balanced in the amount of time I've devoted to it with regard to the other parts of my life. One of the examples I can give at a developmental center, uh, I created a sing and sign choir. Most of the students, um, all of them had developmental delays, but many of them are Down syndrome, um, autistic, uh, uh, etiology unknown. And they had never performed or, or had a, the opportunity to, to sing together as a choir or anything like that. So I remember we worked very hard uh, for learning some Christmas songs so that I was going to take them to the uh, Terminal Tower downtown, which is a beautiful mall area where people come shopping. And um, we learned our songs using sign language. And of course, uh, I would play them and the speech and language pathologist would stand in front and direct them with the sign language while singing everything from jingle bells or from I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Um, things that people would know, because I'll be honest, uh, there wasn't a lot of in-tune singing. Yeah. But I'll never forget the day of the event. I had ordered the bus and I'd gotten robes from my church because we were going to look the part. And um, I had coordinated with the people at the mall where we would be, the, where we could set up. And I woke up that morning, my husband went off to work and my son of 10 years old had a fever. Mm. And all I could think of was, oh goodness, what am I going to do? Mm. And um, the speech and language pathologist couldn't play piano you'd never know what they were singing if if that wasn't a part of it. Um, the buses were going to, they had already been paid for. I, I was in a, a quandary. I, my motherly instincts told me my son needs me. The music therapist in me said, Deforia, these kids have practiced for months. This is something they're looking forward to. They've never done. What mm. do they do? So I remember giving my son medicine and breakfast, putting him to bed and saying, I will be back in an hour and a half, two hours at the max, please get some rest. I rushed off to the developmental center, got on the bus, went down to Terminal Tower. We had the most 
miraculous performance. Um, I knew people connected with these kids and um, I got in the car after we got back to the development center, rushed home. It was all of two hours and my son was sleeping still. Mm. Now, I'll tell you, that was a struggle in what's most important to you. Both of them were, but I was thankful that sleep and a couple of um, maybe aspirin or whatever held things and, a, and his fever was down. So I, I just, I know the, the struggle. Um, let, let me read more, I'll tell you. So what I mean by balance, many nights I would stay up till one or two or three in the morning, finishing a song, writing a paper because I did go back to graduate school, preparing a presentation, finishing documentation that I should have completed earlier that day, uh, saying yes to a patient to stay longer at work, therefore dinner being late, um, talking with an intern about a, um, a not so good session and, and taking the time to, to be there for tears or for celebration, talking to an administrator about how to um, appeal to the public to um, bring more attention to our institution, uh, accepting yet another to die for opportunity to do something instead of exercising that simple two letter word, no. Hmm. Um, and saying it with grace and without apology. It, and it's not that those things in themselves were wrong. I wanted to do many of them. They were worthy of time and of good merit. It's just that I did not have to be the one to do them all. Hmm. And I needed then, and believe me, it gets to me still nowadays, I need to be a better time manager. And um, and learn that this is enough. I've, I've done this. I don't need to stay up another hour to perfect it even more or to add something that I have forgotten. Um, so leaving the profession, no. Learning how to live it with balance and grace and the ability to say no are the issues I have faced. Mm -hmm. And I think we all, we all face that. I think we all take on that responsibility of advocacy and education about this, this profession. And that, that feels like such a burden sometimes. So finding that balance is so important. I will add that the opportunities that came my way. It's like you do one thing and it opens the door for another. It's like, I, I, I think, okay, I'll say yes, I'll do it. It's over and finished. But so many times it would just, oh, would you come to my, you know, or I am in a club called, you know, or um, have you ever been to Japan? Would you like to come? You know, I would love to. And I mean, at what am I supposed to say? No. Number one, um, in grad school, it happened to me that uh, I was working full time. I had, you know, two sons and a husband, and um, and I was in graduate school too. Um, and I was invited to speak at a physician conference, and oh my goodness. Um, I, I didn't debate very long. I knew it would mean a lot of extra work uh, and it would mean leaving for a couple of days to go do it. Um, but I did, I, I, I accepted it. And then I went and told my professor, my, and he said, DeForia, do you know how much you're balancing here? I said, 
yes. But he said, and do you feel you have to do this? I said, to be honest, yes, not many music therapists. And that was way back now. That was a good 30 years ago, 30, 35 years ago. Not many music therapists get this opportunity, let alone a woman of color. Mm. I said, a part of me, yes, I do feel I have to. And he said, DeForia, you don't have to say yes to everything. I'm going to give you permission to go. I mean, because I know your responsibilities here, you're going to have to leave a couple of days. But just know there will be other opportunities. This won't be your last time to be asked mm -hmm. to do something. Mm -hmm. and, and I listened to that. And, and a part of me said, dude, you just don't know. I mean, this doesn't happen. Music therapists don't get these opportunities. I have to step up to the plate. Um, and I have a husband who's willing to, to say, okay, I'll, I'm on with the boys for the next two days while you do this. And, and, you know, and yes, I'll stay up till three or four in the morning to finish all the things I'm supposed to do. But he was right. Other opportunities will come. And they did. And I didn't want, when I look back, I, I hope I wasn't broken in trying to do the too much in order to prove myself or to uh, prove to others that I could. There comes a time when being me and doing what I'm doing has to be enough not necessarily more. Mm -hmm. mm. Took a long time, Kim, to, to come to a conclusion that um, one monkey does not stop the show. Mm -hmm. That's what, yeah, that's what I was just thinking. It, it, not only will we each individually have more opportunities, but there will be more people. There will be another music therapist to take that one, yes. you know, trip or opportunity or, or um, take over from here. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be in their way. Mm -hmm. I don't want to stop someone else from growing, from getting a chance by saying yes, because that person says, oh, but we want you, you know, mm. don't let that appeal block someone else's growth and opportunity mm -hmm. yeah i feel that i feel like that takes so much um personal awareness to know okay is this is this the right opportunity for me is you know what does the rest of my life look like is it time do i feel comfortable do i feel ready and when is it time to hand it off to someone else yes yes yeah. Um, so I know you you touched upon this a little bit, um, but what was the profession like when you were a new music therapist compared to now? And I know there's a couple other questions that were added on to there by the one listener who sent that in. How has it changed? Where do you think it can improve? So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. We're talking over a 40 year period now. <laughs> so, uh, I think more people and more professions are aware of who we are and what we can do. Number two, I think we've learned more about how we can be integrated into other professions. Three, we've seen the advantages in working together, uh, being initially I think we were very protective of our profession. And sometimes um, we were prone to be isolationists. Uh, you know, somebody walks into a, a hospital and says, I play the guitar. Can I uh, play for your patients? Will you hire me to, you know, and uh, oh, we want to differentiate who we are compared to music educators or music ethnomusicologists, et cetera. And I think that that is necessary. We have to be discerning in how we go about that. Mm 
Mm. Protective, but not isolationist. I think our research, our publications, our networking, our legislation, uh, meaning governmentally outside of, of our profession and within, expanding our curriculum and enhancing it because there's so much more out there to address with music therapy that we have to change from within. Hmm. Um, the interests that have been created in uh, by neurologists and the medical profession is I mean, just burgeoning uh, uh, the opportunities. NIH coming up to the fore and giving these huge uh, opportunities of and grants for music therapists to do research or to align themselves with people who are already doing research and kind of tagging on or integrating music in it to see if it makes a difference. Um, we can't underestimate the maturity and the experience of those who've been doing research long before we have. And by joining them, we learn and grow and we give our, um, our expertise to them. And, and together, uh, two can make a, a bigger difference. And, and lastly, I think we see how what we can do can be potential change in our current social challenges. Uh, for example, the opioid crisis, uh, the cry for non-pharmacologic ways to treat pain in healthcare settings. I'm less timid to enter into mainstream conversations about things like that. And if I do so with an attitude of, let's explore, teach me, let me learn what it is you're doing. And then maybe I can see what it is I have in my profession that can enhance or help that. Mm -hmm. um, so be continuous learners for sure. And I, th I think we've come an awfully long way. And now that we have, we see how much room there is to, to grow and do more. Mm -hmm. It's interesting listening to you talk about that because I feel like some of those challenges or feelings of isolation or, you know, like you're the only one in the, in the city or the place, I feel like that still happens for music mm -hmm. therapists today. It, it, you know, like I'm, a, I'm driving on the road all by myself all day and I don't see another music therapist for, you know, ever, <laughs> but now we have this beautiful thing called the internet and, you know, social media and, and all of that. So even if we are the only music therapist in our area, we're still connected with the larger music therapy community, which is so different from what I expect you, you had gone through as a new professional. Yes. Cleveland is rich with music therapists. We have numerous mm -hmm. therapists. So therefore this family, this, this tight weaved um, uh, group is, is nurturing and motivating and yes the conferences that really mm. took me uh, took my breath away when i'd go to a conference and i'd see what others were doing mm -hmm. um, and learning that oh i can call them i can email them uh you're right this feeling of being connected with someone like me who knows more, who is walking the same path or, or stage, whose, whose disappointment may also be mine and we can somehow get that together. Um, that I don't have to feel like I can't share what I did 
that made something happen for fear they're going to take it away or steal it or mm. they'll get credit for something that you know i i have found just the opposite mm. if we're discerning enough and we exercise grace um some wisdom some I think we will be, we will know who and when and how much to, uh, to do. And we're going to make some mistakes. I mean, that's mm -hmm. kind of part of life. So wanting <laughs> to move beyond it is, is necessary. So mm. I feel like that's such a, such a lesson to learn, I guess, throughout life, but especially with new professionals and oftentimes new professionals are also becoming adults at that same time. So it's almost like this parallel process with, you know, making mistakes professionally or making mistakes personally and just trying to figure it out and not really having a perfect guidebook for the steps to take or how to recover from that mistake. And that kind of leads to this one question. What would you want a new music therapist to know? that your development takes time and nurture. Mm. Find a mentor or two and learn all you can. Mm. I'd say become the learner with each client, with each colleague, with each friend. They will teach you even if you don't ask, mm. but do that you may learn more from listening than asking at times. I'd say dare to take a risk. You may not succeed, you may fail, fall, but those times only serve to uh, strengthen you and ready you for what's next. I'd say take time for yourself I'm still learning that. <laughs> Journal, record, tell, share with somebody the treasures that come your way. You can hold on to everything you have tightly so that nothing can get away out of your clenched hand, but also nothing can get in either. Mm. So learn to hold loosely all that is not eternal that's what i'd say and mm. ready because there's a lot of stuff coming uh, <laughs> music is is what you're to do Ooh, it it will thrill you um and i i i have a certain amount of envy or um excitement for you because this profession is marvelous. It's mm. magnificent. It has such potential to, to satisfy and, and to be significant. Be ready for that. Mm. I'm just going to soak that up for a second. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm constantly reminding myself that, um, there will be different stages of my professional career and journey and i i'm not going to have it all right away i'm not going to feel it all right away i'm not going to feel maybe even proficient right away and i think it's a good reminder that as human beings and as music therapists we grow and we learn and we change over time. It's not like we get out of school and we pass our certification exam and we're just, you know, as far as we're ever going to get. But I feel like sometimes we, we put that on ourselves, like we have to be further along than we are. Yes. And it's like an unsettling place to be, knowing that you have so much more to go or so much more to learn. And it's like you want to soak up more, but also realizing that time time is in your way. Time is the difference between your growth now and your growth 10, 
20, 30 years in the future. Yes. And waiting can be hard. <laughs> it can be so hard. <laughs> now. <laughs> yes. I, I feel that you really understand, Kim, more than your age should now. <laughs> uh, I, have, I have sensed that answer or exchange. Mm. You, you not only enter into what is being said, but you're drawing from it in, in your own life and experience and the lives of others that, that you've mentioned um, too. So yeah, you're, you're in a very enviable state or a position now and, and wanting to share it through a podcast with others. Uh, I think is a is a calling that that you, this is a way that you have found you can expand what you do, not only what but to whom you can can give it. Mm -hmm. Bravo, bravo! Thank you. Well, now I'm tearing up. <laughs> At least every few episodes, I will cry. <laughs> which is good i'm practicing on feeling and expressing my emotions so much more than i have in the past so i'm gonna pat myself on the back for that um thank you so much for that i've only been in this profession for eight years and have had so so many challenging very big challenging things and i think those things i i think i have something within me that that says um that wants to like fight back or, or um, what's the word? I can't think of the, I always like finding the right word. I can't think of it, but like get through a challenging moment. And um, I've asked so many questions along the way in these eight years. And more and more, I realize that music therapists are all like living through the same challenges. And one really, really hard one for me that um, has caused me to question the profession and my place in it is when those challenges are with other music therapists. Mm. It's so, mm. it's like it, it, it makes me want to just throw in the towel and leave. Mm -hmm. But there's also something within me that says, well, that that doesn't represent the whole profession. Um, and maybe we can change the narrative by talking about that and working our way through those difficult, challenging moments, even with other music therapists um, together. And I know one, um, one podcast episode, I wonder if I can find the name of it, <laughs> it was very uh, controversial, but it brought up something that I think was so necessary. I think it was called those other music therapists and how, oh, there's, there's those, there are those other music therapists who are mean or who um, will call you out for not playing the piano well enough or will um, be very territorial territorial and make it really challenging to work together and then what happened through the episode is is we kind of you know named that and then recognized that we all have something within ourselves that can turn in that direction and so what's really important is awareness so that we don't become that other music therapist that's you know mean or or whatever it is um to another person because we're all in this together and we're stronger. We are stronger together. And there are those same people in every other profession too. Yeah. Um, we are not alone. <laughs> but it, but it yeah. seems to hurt a little more mm. you know, from when it's us. Mm -hmm. So on, on that same topic, um, what would you say to a music therapist who is questioning their place in the profession or, or who may even want to leave this profession? I'd say look at, look at the other challenges you've had in your life. How did you 
approach those. Is this a pattern? Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. Or, well, if that person didn't, or this is purely objective. And I mean, I'd look back at your life in a sense of, uh, have you had time after time after time of wanting to, to switch off, to change, to, to drop the ball and move on to something else? So first of all, look at you. Then I'd say consider the source where you're receiving this negative feedback or denial of an opportunity or whatever from. Consider the source. Is it from someone who is um, jealous? Is it from someone who simply has their hands tied? They can't do differently. And if, if it's possible, sitting down and talking with the, the people or, or someone who knows about the situation, not necessarily someone who's going to agree with you, but someone who is going to look at your situation with different eyes. I'd say look into all of that before you withdraw or drop the mic and go off. And, and once you've looked at things thoroughly, then you can try to come to some decision. It may be a temporary one, but there's a time to move on and a time to, to be still. And just determining which one that is, is going to be uh, your, your job. So um, those are not easy times. I know in the throes of of um, a heated, uh, disgruntled spirit, angry or revengeful spirit. Those are not the times to make decisions. So take some time to, to cool off and talk and get some counsel uh, with others. I'd say show enough, pray about it hard. Mm. <laughs> and, and then um, see what what happens mm, i love this conversation <laughs> we could keep going forever are you okay with a few more questions yeah, a couple more Go a ahead. couple more well um i gave you that list of questions would you want to pick the next one let me add something to the one that I just finished. I, I wrote down, talk to others about it, write down the pros and cons of what mm. you want to consider. Look at what is happening in your life at this time. It could be something that passes. Choose a counselor wisely and examine your past to see if this is a typical or a pattern uh, when you are challenged or distressed. Those were, mm. in terms of another question. Um, I know we have, um, who inspires you? And then another one is, what is one thing you would want your personal music therapist to do or not do? Mm. <laughs> Those are both really good ones. <laughs> yes, that one about your personal music therapist is, is a pretty introspective one. Uh, mm. I would want them to be a person of, of faith. Um, I would want them to be honest. I would not want them to be a member of the DeForia Lane fan club. Because I want to hear <laughs> what's really <laughs> what I need to hear and not mm -hmm. butter it up or... <laughs> um, and, and I'd want them to be patient because, and, and gentle but firm, there's a good combination there. I, I don't tend to take aggressive finger in your face kind of, of thing easily. That it takes a while 
for that to get over before I can hear what you say because of the way you're saying it. Mm -hmm. I'd want them to have a delicate way of saying the hard things and not avoiding those difficult conversations. Mm. Um, as far as who I, who I'm inspired by, I could name some names, but I think the characteristics that I mentioned that I'd want in a personal music therapist are the characteristics I, I admire in whoever has them. Um, mm. So uh, being a, a person uh, with who, who honors um, the Bible in a very serious way, um, a person who is not full of themselves. Uh, I think humility is one of the characteristics that I am drawn to and that I want to develop um, most. Um, because if, if there's such a, if I'm blinded by my own image or my own thoughts of who I am, it keeps me from seeing the, those around me and the reality of what's around me. Um, if I have a need, I plant a seed. Now that's kind of, um, it's not my phrase, it's, it's from my, my pastors. He said, whenever things are going wrong with me or and I'm kind of, oh, woe is me. I've learned if I plant a seed for somebody else, if I go looking for who else needs something that, um, it all comes back to you. It, there's a sense mm. of not dwelling on self. I admire people who have been through stuff and have come out on the other side and are not afraid to say it or to tell it, not to brandish it, you know, oh, look at me, I've been through it. It's not that. It's, it, it, they, they have to have some discretion too. But um, I, I really appreciate that. Um, not afraid to share your, your stinky parts, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, people who have been through some tough stuff. Um, and, and not that I know a whole lot personally, but I've seen publicly, um, Brian Hunter, good gracious to bring two organizations together years mm -hmm. ago. Um, Gary mm -hmm. Robb, um, I think she's hot to trot. She's just <laughs> so much, um, both intellectually and, um, with a very humble heart. Louise Steele, she was my supervisor, uh, during my internship. Oh, that woman worked hard, I'll tell you, but, but. The truth is um, she knows what it takes. And she came along at a time when nobody knew a whole lot about music therapy. She had to make the road as well as walk on it. And um, we've remained friends to this day. Mm. I, I don't know them all by name, but by character I do. And the AMTA staff, Jane Cregan and Barb Else and I mean, they are people who are behind the scenes in so many ways who carry the weight of thousands of music therapists on their shoulders who each want something different, something more, something now. Yeah. Uh, and that's, whew, uh, that's a lot. People like Andy Farbman, uh, uh, Jane Stanley, um, one of my past interns whom I hired, Maria Hernandez, she earned her MD in the Dominican Republic, decided um, that medicine was something she was going to um, put on hold because of what she saw happening in it. And later in years, she went 
back. She went to Berkeley to earn her music therapy degree. And for someone to have the clout of an MD and to try to merge the um, relatively unknown kind of not, you know, three-figure salary profession of music <laughs> therapy has, has really been an eye-opener for me of, of gaining how, how to put something like that together and how life can take you in so many different tracks. And one is not better or worse or richer or poorer, but each has its own wonderful uh, significance. So those mm -hmm. are, are some of the people. And uh, uh, one of them at the top of my list is my mother. Uh, she's still living. She lives with me. She's 97. And she, I look at where she's come from, the Deep South. I look at what she has seen, uh, the unmentionable. Um, and I look at what she did in spite of um, what held her back. She did not let the ugly pierce her, pierce her soul to the point of saying, I give up or I, I'm just gonna sit here. I'm not gonna let, I'm just not going to. She, that didn't happen. She didn't give that to me. She gave me the spirit of, um, trying of of openness and um and my dad the same way um he had an eighth grade education and put two daughters through school and later a son my my brother and um and never instilled in us this element of, of revenge or hate or, or superiority. I mean, not even that, just a sense of work hard, be who you are, be the best you can be. That's, that's what they, they said. And um, for that, I will ever be grateful. So... Mm between the Lord and my parents and these folks that uh, I've been privileged to be surrounded by and look to either in person or through their work. Um, I am here. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so, so much for um, chatting with all of us today. Um, so I'll just ask you where where can people find you or connect with you? My email is deforialane at usa.net or deforialane at gmail. And I'm right here uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. You can write to me, you can email me. Uh, I'm unfortunately my computer's on 24/7, so uh, <laughs> I'm always going to get your uh, your information. And I uh, I will return your even if it's at two o'clock in the morning. I'll <laughs> <run> back. <laughs> oh, um, is there anything else that you would like to share with us today before we sign off? This has been an eye-opener and a, a deepener for me in learning to express what I've thought about but just never been articulate about until someone asks. So mm. it's important to ask the question. It's important to reach out. And uh, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to think and to express what um, my life has been, but also sharing it with those who are coming uh, along at this time. And 
my hope is that it will not only be helpful, but open their hearts or minds to ask the hard questions or to think and share what their thoughts are as well. It's not meant to stay with you, maybe for a while, but whatever you get is meant to be shared. And who that is, is waiting out there for you. So that, that's what I'd say. Don't mm -hmm. let what you feel or think or, or have learned from anyone, not just a podcast, but from, <laughs> don't let it stay with you. Um, share it so it can grow. Mm. Come back. You reap what you sow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. Um, thank you, Kim. You are so welcome. This has been such a sweet time. And for everyone listening, we will talk with you soon.